I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Within a week, we've witnessed a huge turnaround in morale off and on the pitch following the bubble being burst and I dare anybody not to use that metaphor we've had the club put on the free travel for Man United and we've sold 9,000 tickets and we've had an emphatic away win in the league enjoy it while last say because this isn't the Sunderland way Nick Barnes from the BBC is here have you got your various sound bites lined up for your commentary of the semi-final Nick is that how it works? I'm priming Benno <laughs> he's already been wound up enough in the past week to work on a celebration for Altidore's <laughs> Winning strike. <laughs> you don't have I different sc- possible yeah. scenarios lined up and different sound bites ready to take. No spontaneity. He, yeah, I always feel. Yeah, I always yeah. feel sorry for Nick because when uh, <laughs> like you can't have your moment, can you? No. When the goal goes in, because no. he just shouts over the top, he <laughs> ruins it. I gave up at Fulham. <laughs> <laughs> we also have our first sport bite member on the show, so I'll introduce Sam Lytle to you all. Sam's a second-year sports journalism student at Sunderland University. He writes. Follow Supreme as well. I'll get Sam to introduce himself because, as you'll probably hear, he doesn't have a typical North East accent. So I'll get Sam to, to tell you all how how he became a Sunderland fan. Right. Um, I first became a well. I've been a Sunderland fan all my life. As um, I mean, my granddad came from the North East region uh, from Ryup, and uh, he's when when he moved down to London, he set up the um, South East and supporters branch with a, a numerous other people, Ian Todd. Namely, one of them, um, and yeah, I've just supported Sunderland all my life, and luckily been able to move back up to the region, and uh, just just follow Sunderland all around the country. Using the term "lucky" very loosely, <laughs> <laughs> some of us are born into it, we don't have a choice. So, I take my hat off. Oh, so was he? <laughs> yeah, well, kind of, but he still, well. yeah, he could have got away with it, couldn't he? With a, yeah, yeah could have been a traditional yeah. support the team from his area and being a Man United fan. Yeah, yes, boom. Okay, Ben Stansfield's on later as well from Team Talk, who's a Southampton fan. He's going to be talking to us about a pretty dull week down on the South Coast. And Nick, you spoke to Gus Poyet yesterday. Anything, anything of interest that you can share with us? He was quite relaxed. He's been very relaxed apparently today as well for his main press conference. I mean, he was very open, as open he's going to be about transfers about uh, Virgini um, I mean the, the, the deal is not stalled as such but it's not I don't think it's going as fluently as they'd hoped it would go because there are problems at the at the other end regarding contracts payoffs and so on but he was very full of admiration for Virgini as a player trying to push this through because he apparently really wants the move so that's encouraging uh, played down quite a lot the the link um, with Shkoko the striker Mm. Um, so where those stories are coming from, even though Shocker's father seems to be at the you know the fulcrum of it all, um, Gus Poyet was very keen to play that down and, and hinted that you know you always seem to get linked with a player at a club and that always seems to come back and haunt you time after time after transfer every transfer window. But he said, you know that's just an instance of that happening. Uh, did hint that there is a domestic British player or two on the horizon, and we can only assume from that it's Bridcut and. 
possibly Buckley. Mm. Um, and I think they're, well, they're, they're, they're clearly, I mean, he talked about looking for a goalkeeper as well because of the situation with only having Manoni really on the books. He, he drew a scenario, a possible scenario at Old Trafford where it could be nil-nil with 20 minutes to play. Manoni gets injured mm. and does he bring on Joel Dixon? Well, he has to bring on Joel Dixon. He says his friends and his family will, of course, tell him and promise him that Joel Dixon can do a good job. But as a manager, it's not the ideal scenario. So the, I think, you know, at the moment, getting some goalkeeping cover is also very much a priority. I don't think we have any centre forwards who could do Nal Quinn, mm. do we, at the moment? Might on a week-to-week yeah. basis. <laughs> Might have done a better job than uh, like Michael Ingham when he came in against Reading that mm. time. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that went well. well. He found his level eventually, didn't he? Talk about dodgy keepers. Fulham, Fulham's keeper, perhaps, give us a little bit of a helping hand. We'll get on to the, to the Fulham game now. Gareth, it's a typical performance you'd hope for on the road. I mean, Fulham did have the early chances, but we were expecting them to cut out, come at Sunderland, let's be honest. Mm. They, they will have had this flagged as a victory, so they're going to come at us. And as we said at the show last week, I mean, we feel a bit vindicated for once on the podcast where they were, we, we thought Johnson, he would go with Johnson, um, and we thought we were getting a way win because, as we said, we deal better against the sides who come at us, as long as they don't have too much quality for us. But Fulham were never going to challenge mm. us to break them down, and it could have went better, really, could it? Mm. I wish it was typical, because that, mean, that means we'd win 4-1 away from exactly. all every week. I but but I, I went 3-1 on my prediction, mm. actually. So. Well, I could, I could have stitched James Hunter up, because he was saying now uh, he wouldn't pick Johnson. He, was, he wasn't sure he was the right kind of character for this game. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I have yeah, stitched him up a little bit now. Yeah, but I, I could have got the yeah. audio out and played that. No, it was great, wasn't it? Um, they definitely... Uh, there were gaps I think touched on it maybe during the week um, when we've discussed it where <clears throat> there was this there were, it shows again there's more strings to Poyet's ball we kind of got the lead playing the normal way and then second half we played on the break that's why the obviously the possession statistics weren't the usual we'd see with Poyet and it was interesting we had a lead and it was interesting how we reacted to having that lead, and um, it worked because we, I mean, we scored twice in, bo- in both halves. I think there were a couple of things from. I mean, I think you're right about John. I mean, Benno and I always felt that Johnson was going to come in. The other change, of course, was Colback. But I think at the moment you've got a situation. We predicted Colback or Larson. Well. You know, you, it, it depends on. We predicted that one as well. Actually, yeah, horses, of course. But he's, that that eleven, as Gus said after the game that started, pretty much is now his first choice eleven, and I think that was always on the cards with the way Johnson's playing as well at the moment since. The Carlisle game. Interesting what you say about the um, way that Fulham approached the game. Now, Benno's a big advocate of Sunderland playing to their strengths if a team has a go at them. The problem that has been at Villa and West Ham and, and those games where they've drawn is that the team sit back and Benno feels that Sunderland aren't, you know, they can't cope with that as well as they can with teams that want to attack them and they're much more open. Of course, the game went on at Fulham. Fulham got more and more open and just left themselves horribly exposed to Sunderland's counter-attacking. Mm. So there are a lot of positives that came from that performance, but it'll be interesting to see how, we'll go on to Southampton, but how Southampton line up and play the game at the weekend because... Um, one would hope they're, they're of the Fulham philosophy and have a go, but um, I'm feeling away from home they might not be. Mm, I think it's 100% right what we're saying. We, we discussed last week about the way that um, teams sit back and we struggle to break them down. Sam, you go to pretty much all the away games, don't you? So yeah. how is this one? Is the work in progress there in the fact that once Sunderland sort of got the noses in front, how confident were you in the stadium? Could you really see Fulham coming back into it? Uh, when... Uh, well, going into half time 2 0 up, I said to my friend that, uh, you know, 
you need to get a third goal. Two 0 is not really enough these days. And I said, look, if they score in the, the first five minutes of the second half, we're going to be in trouble here. Mm. I mean, they scored seven minutes in, and uh, there was a, a about five minute spell where they were really on top of us after mm. that. But things sort of started down a little bit, and I was when we got the third, the game was more well over really. But they had their chances, Fulham, and I think you've got to give them credit. Manone was superb once again for Sunderland, and uh, I think for the first time in a, in a long away, long, long list of away games, we've been really clinical, we've taken our chances, and I think that's um, that's good to see, you know, because uh, going into this week's game, um, Norwich at home, the last last game before well, before that was just nil nil, terrible really. Um, West Ham as well, yeah. Yeah, West Ham and Villa. Many people have said. We need to start winning that one. We didn't. So, yeah, taking our chances last week was really crucial and uh, hopefully that gets some yeah, confidence Gus, going. Yeah, Gus Boyd had said before the game and one of the areas that he wanted to improve was being clinical in front of goal and I think you know they showed that they were at Fulham. I think we we don't want to get too carried away because it was Fulham and I think Fulham are a poor team. I thought Fulham were poor on the first day of the season. I think the interesting parallel is that Fulham on the opening day were poor and won the game 1-0. Fulham, I still think, are poor but Sunderland went to Fulham and put four past them. Mm. So there's a you know marked improvement in the way that Sunderland have been moving since August, whereas Fulham just seem to be on the plateau. I don't think they've improved at no. all. And I think they're in real trouble. They've had a tiny they're... little manager bounce, haven't they? A, a couple of times, but not yeah. many. I mean, it, it's it, it's not... I think they've got an ageing team. I think they, they are in trouble. Um, you know, they're losing a lot of home games. And I think, you know, at the weekend, OK, Stuckellenberg is going to come back up at some point in goal and... He's a better keeper than Stockdale, but Stockdale looked vulnerable at the back, mm. and Senderos looks vulnerable. They've got <laughs> too many areas where they look vulnerable, and I think you know that's got to work in Sunderland's favour as well. Mm, the midfield, Gareth, I thought was fascinating in the, in the fact that when Poyet first implemented his style, we had Key initially pulling the strings from deep. He's, he's changed that round. Lee Catamol, um he, he sort of gets away with it, apart from that mistake against Aston Villa, of course. Now, what I noticed is what I noticed was that. They almost bypassed, bypassed him a lot. Yeah. They got the ball forward a lot quicker. Did you notice that? They didn't give him as much responsibility. He was there to break up break up things still, break up play. Um, he, he can pass the ball. We've discussed this before. He's probably underrated. But he wasn't sort of dictating, was he, from, from deep? They were, they were missing him out. No, um, and that was obviously evident in the second half when we played more on the break. But he did some excellent work defensively. Um, he made a couple of excellent tackles, one in the build-up with a third goal. Um which is what he's good at and obviously primarily. Co- yeah, and Kovac gave him that licence maybe to not be as involved as much. He was probably dropping in and Key actually probably played more of a box-to-box role and in any game you've seen this season. He was at both ends involved. Um, but uh, like you say with Catamore, I think his use of the ball is very good but maybe sometimes he can get caught on it like we saw again. It's a, pressur- it's a pressurised role. And I don't know one, how much at Fulham Gus Poyet was thinking pull him a little bit out of the firing line because there was a, there yeah, was a couple exactly. of niggles going on and I think had they gone on and, and, and Catamol been more involved I think a mm. card of some description would have been shown at some point because Fulham were clearly playing mm. for that and Catamol they know would have got sucked into that and I don't know how much Poyet was thinking right let's push it up let's try and keep Catamol back out of the, the firing line well a slight variation certainly helped Adam Johnson um, because he played high up the pitch. I mean, Gary Lineker said on Match of the Day, oh, he's, he's an enigmatic soul, but I don't think he's Stefan Sessignon in that respect. As we've been seeing on here a, a lot that give the ball to Adam Johnson, 
in the danger areas, don't give him the ball on the halfway line in his own half and expect him to take everybody on. And we're certainly seeing that Saturday. Well, the, the key, well, no pun intended, was that <laughs> pass played in front of him to run onto. It's like you say, play the ball ahead of him. He can run onto it and get his head up and, and just take players on in that situation. Play to his strengths, which they haven't been doing. But now I think the confidence he got against Carlisle to play in that game and, and suddenly perform... Um, I think he started to believe in himself again and that, that was evident again then in the week against Manchester United and so suddenly you've got to play with confidence someone said to me that at Fulham they always, they've always liked Johnson if he keeps his head up and, and runs onto the ball and I think we're starting to see him do that now the question is, it's only three games and one of them was against a League One team can he keep that consistency now? Um, I think Sam, coming to you Nick's mentioned it's been three games now sometimes when Johnson gets a ball at the stadium, you see that sort of expectation, and people are almost sort of the, the given up before before he even gets it. It was was it different on Saturday where people actually know when Johnson was receiving the ball, were people sort of almost getting out the seat, thinking, "Oh, he's on fire here. We we want him, we want him to do something." Yeah, definitely. There was there was one time uh, in the second half when he had a, a flick behind his flick the ball behind his legs, and you sort of could really tell the confidence mm, yeah. was there from him. But um, I think I think what's important. With Johnson, you've got to give him the ball early so he can run at defenders. If you give him the ball on the t- on the touchline, or he, you know, he, and he's he's static, he's not going to be moving. Like he's not going to have any momentum to, to carry on. He's a sort of player that, you know, to be able to go past the player, he needs to be moving with the ball. He can't just be stood yeah. still to, to beat him. Like when he's a Man City, all the players moving the ball very fast, yeah. giving them the ball in dangerous areas. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And um, I've, it's important to to give like to, to for him to keep playing like that and. Uh, for Sunderland as well, for us to keep going forward, we need obviously every player to be playing at their, at their best, you know. And you've got to try and get the best out of every every player. There. I think we're overlooking him. Nobody's mentioned it actually much since the weekend. Is Alonso? I think his signing has been, you know, it's been a stroke because at a left back now you've got a left back who can defend as left back, but actually his runs forward down the wing. I mean, it means Sunderland have got a balance now because Bardsley likes to get forward, Alonso likes to get forward, and Alonso's putting some great balls in the penalty area. I mean, a lot of those crosses at the weekend at Fulham came from the left and came from Alonso. There were a couple of times in the first half there were some, you know, wicked balls through the six-yard box which nobody could get on the end of, and, and he's made an impact already. He'll yeah, be a bit disappointed, I think, with his role in the goal. he lost for the corner for the corner. But I think you know well, yeah. it, it, that's inevitable. He's going to yeah. be like that for yeah. a few weeks. He's he's come straight back into the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's got to find his feet, but yeah. Yeah. I think he's a very, very promising signing. You know? And we got to wait over it. If, he, if, it, if this is going to be the, the, you know, hopefully the only teething problems we're seeing in that respect, we got to wait over it because we they, they scored one, but we we scored four, of course. But I think does the same. We're talking about Johnson now, Gareth. Does the same need to be applied to Jack Arini when he plays? Because when he plays fitly, what I've seen of him, he seems the most impactful when he's getting on the end. When he's getting on the end of moves, like. Like the third goal for Johnson when Kay yeah. put Johnson in. When I've seen Jack Arini, I'm not going to you know pretend I'm some sort of expert because I didn't see him lords. But what I have seen of him, he would often finish moves off. Yeah. Now, you know, he needs to be playing the midfielder to make the move for him to finish off, so to speak. If you know what I mean, you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, it, it's I've, Jack Arini's just I can't I can't work it out. Um, but do we need him less to be? To coming back deep, getting the ball and try again, like the problem with Johnson is, and and, and more so, you know, on the break, get him forward, play yeah. him in if we can. Yeah, definitely. He makes the right runs, doesn't he? Yeah, I if mean, he, if he's high up enough. I mean, I think Jack Arini's probably is carrying of the ball is pretty good. Um, the problem with Jack Arini tends to be the final ball 
a bad decision or you know sometimes early in a move would give the ball away quite sort of simply so but Jack Reen is just a, a funny one isn't it like I, the, I don't think anybody can put a finger on on where he should be playing no. and, and we've had this discussion and our opinion is he's a, a Serie A player he's not a Premier League player now that's no disrespect to the Serie A it's just a completely mm. different league they play in a different way their style's different and he sits in that Italian style very yeah. neatly and he sits in the Italian national team neatly but you throw him into the Premier League where it's a bit cut and thrust he hasn't got a back four which defend like the Italians defend so he hasn't got the comfort zone of knowing that he doesn't have to track back and do hard work back there which is why I think Barini's a strange one because Barini is not a natural Italian in that sense mm. Barini's happy to go back and track back and defend he's happy to plough up and down the wing I say Came happy in English academy he's, didn't he he's, yeah, really he's not happy yeah. full stop because he wants to play in a central striking role but because he's playing Barini's happy to fulfil that whereas Giacarini I don't think I suspect in his heart of hearts he's not happy because it doesn't, it doesn't suit him he's not quite sure where his strengths lie here he wants to go to to the World Cup. He's a bit of a square peg in a round hole at the moment. I mean, in in Italy as well. I mean, somebody's probably going to be listening who sees a lot more Italian football. I mean, tell me I'm wrong, but often systems in there involved maybe three at the back, and you might have six, essentially six midfielders and, and a forward or a three-five-two variation. But it's much slower, much more yeah. time on the ball, much but more time to pick out passes. Up, you can take up different areas, and if you've got and five in the middle in yeah. that shape with three, you don't at the have back, the physical. Although I say we don't have the physical challenges that you get in the Premier League, even those are disappearing these days. Everyone seems to pass mm. backwards now, rather than take a player on. But the point I'm making is, Jacarini will be, you know, he won't be used to tackling. It doesn't mm. happen in Italy. It's a, so it, it, it's a, he's a, in a way, I think he's a bit of a luxury player at the minute. And, I think we'll see him more on the bench in the mm. next few months than we will. Certainly be surprised if he, was here, if he was here next season, that's for sure. Mm. We're going to purr some more over Key now before we move on. It, we, we can't not. It seems so easy and, and so lazy, Sam, almost to, to give him the credit, but he deserves it. Because, I mean, when Poyd came in, um, I remember Martin Smith saying, you know, he'll be bashing his head against the wall with this lot, trying to get trying to get them to play the way he likes to play. He didn't try and do it straight away. We've, we've, we've raised this point. It was the... Southampton Cup game wasn't it at home the first time we really seen it but do you feel like he could even do this without Key there because he's the one who seems to hold it all into place isn't it doesn't he well, well there's always one one player isn't there in every team you know who's who's the, probably the the key player if it were uh, yeah. I, I, I think he, he's a very very vital player and I, I do sort of worry who, who else could fill that role you know does anyone have any suggestions? Well, I think, well, I think, I think you know, that Liam Bridcut is is the obvious one who's not here. So, although Bridcut's I, talked about in terms of fulfilling the Catamol role, isn't mm, it? Well, that's it. But, but that that is the role that the key started, started isn't it? Yeah. But even now, as we're saying, he's made a slight variation of it, where he was the almost bypassing Catamol, but key's still influential in in keeping the ball moving, isn't he? Finding the right pass and. You just feel like if he wasn't there, it would fall, fall to pieces, don't you? I mean, he is physically strong as well. I mean, forget he's big, you know, he's tall, he's got a, a presence. And, and Sam's right, I mean, who else isn't, you know, Gardner, Larson, etc. Then they are not in anywhere near the same ilk. And, and I mean, Poyet, you know, clearly loves him. Poyet, I think, would love to keep him in the summer. Swansea don't want him full stop, mm. so the, the deal's there to be done if Sunderland stay up. Mm, I think I mean, it's a, it? a clash with Loudrop, I think, isn't it? I don't, I don't think Loudrop doesn't rate him. Mm. Doesn't rate him, and, and you know, even with all their injury problems now, um, he's been reluctant to even, you know, in the last few weeks suggest that Key would come back. So he's there for the taking if, if Sunderland want him. 
I mean, with the how I know this might sound silly for one game, but with how vital every game is now at the end of the season, if there was money left at the end of January, we'd be tempted to try and do the deal now. Well, I think this is the big problem. Because he's available for the Swansea game. But this is the problem. All the players coming in now are loan players because of this whole situation about where they're going to be playing Mm -hmm. next season. So they're not going to get themselves Mm -hmm. caught having five players signed, say, in January, which they have to keep or sell in the summer because they've been relegated. But Key is staying, and that's now unequivocal. He's here now, and it's quite... In a way, it's fortunate the last game of the season, Swansea, because it, you know, with any luck, it might be sorted before that game, and and, and Key is the one player that could be, you know, critical coming up in those last few games of the season. That's the thing. I just, I just think it might go to the last game because it's so tight. And imagine, you know, well, then it's a cup final, isn't it? I mean, you can almost say, okay, mm. you can sacrifice the one player, perhaps, if it's <laughs> going to be the be all and end all, but. Mm. I, I'm, I'm not bit, sure there's ever yeah. been a player who's been who sort of epitomised everything that the manager's trying to do though, and everything. He just seems to glue everything in a player. I mean, he? I mean, I guess it's under unimaginable that he would he would he wouldn't be here. I guess under Reid, you had there was areas of the pitch where you know the overlapping fullbacks, the wingers putting crosses in, the big man little man combination and stuff, and that was more a combination of players. But I think you're right in what you say that he really does epitomise, and I think you know slowly Poyet is becoming, you know, the probably the the best Sunderland manager I've I've, I can, I've seen. To, to be honest, someone was discussing. He's the most I've been impressed with in my life. Yeah. Well, someone I'm, said it. That, funnily enough, they'd raised it the other day that the way he is at the moment. And um, I was speaking to him about this yesterday about his ambitions to be a Premier League manager. And now, you know, he'll fight hard to keep them in the in the division because he's got a taste for it now and proved he can do it. But it'll be keeping hold of him. Yep. down the line that's going to be the big issue from Sunderland's point of view because he's clearly already proved well, the clubs are going to be looking now and taking they will be and I can't go under the radar can well, it's, no. ta- it's his tactical awareness um, change he makes in, from game to game um, obviously when we, we were dubious about him originally about his you know um, rigidity in his thinking in regards to set up and stuff like that he's, he's completely dispelled that um well, he's you know. restored team spirit as well. Yeah. I mean, that was something you know that was that, that disappeared, and and he is also responsible for that. Really, he's and, playing and with a smile on his face. Yeah, as well. and yeah. so you, you know, you look at you pull all those factors together. He was talking this week about this week not having a midweek game as being a huge boon for him, and he'd like more of it because it, he says it's enabled him to work on certain things, only small things, but he says they're big things in the long run, and to get everybody together and and. and work these things out is fantastic but he's denied it next mm-hmm. week because of Man United on Wednesday he's denied it the following week because of Stoke on the Wednesday and he says I'm crying out for these this, this training mm-hmm. to get these players even he says they're only small things they're minute but they're important I think um, going back to, to the game and singling players out for praise I think this week there's been almost so I think some players did well obviously Johnson did particularly well but there seems to be this thing about players who are doing well and then like almost using it as a, a stick to beat them with and I just think that's something that I don't know and, and Altador as well I mean I thought Altador was involved in the last two goals and people were sort of mocking him for the fact he skid and send us and he put him on his backside got a penalty and people were almost laughing at him it was a I bit was, of a comical dive but, was, yeah. but <laughs> it was comedic in, in, in the way it happened I mean from the angle we watched it from I mean it was a clear penalty oh, it was extraordinary yeah. but, but it was an absolute stonewall penalty it was, and yeah. his, his interplay Mm-hmm. Is in the play for that for that third goal? Well, it's the same what we said. Better. It's well, the same what we said about after he, the the Carlisle game when he when he set up he helped set up Bar's goal and 
when Watmore almost scored yeah. as well. When you get close to him and play close to him, people look at this big, this big sort of strap and centre forward and think he's a target man, and he, he yeah. isn't. He's not a very good target man, and I think that's because he's been stereotyped. But I think it's role. interesting that Poyet still picks him. I think if we had a situation where it, if, if Poyet didn't rate him, he wouldn't be bringing him on. Not now. Mm. Not with the team that he's got. And you know, gee, he gave him a chance. You can argue he put him in the shop window, but he must have known there was interest from Germany. There always has been. And he gave him a chance. He didn't do too badly in the couple no, of games. He, he, he came on. So he's only going to get these. He's only going to give these players a chance if he's seen something on the training pitch, or he's seen something that he thinks they'll, they'll they will give him offer him something. Especially in the situation that Sunderland are in now. So that I think Altador is, is always going to be mocked because that's just the way it's going with him at the minute. Same with ben, same with Bentner at Arsenal. Bentner, I mean, you see again, and I thought Bentner actually did a, he did he a was job. Very at good. I was great, wasn't he? He, mm-hmm. he did the business. I mean, look at his goal record ratio. It was always one in three, but that that was his history, and, and that's exactly what he did at Sunderland. And so that's, that's not bad in the Premier League no. either. I mean, people talk about this twenty goal thing, but I don't think it exists. I think it's a bit of a falsehood. But, Times have moved on. From but that. yeah, but you know, I just think. You know, it's good to be positive sometimes and not maybe try and look at players and sort of, you know, the fact we've got, you know, we beat Man United it's because Man United are rubbish. We beat Fulham it's because Fulham are rubbish. But when we lose, it's because we are rubbish. I just think cynicism. Well, Def- defenders <laughs> won't like defenders won't like playing against Altidore. Yeah. I like I like Al- I like Altidore at the moment. If it was bet- between him and Fletcher, I'd have I'd I'd have Altidore in. I I don't think there's been a lot between them and to be Fletcher. When you look at you know somebody who's an exper- experienced Premier League goal scorer for the sort of performances he's putting, in, right it's, not, it's not good. And I just think he came off at the weekend, and he was sort of twisting. He, but he, I mean, he missed a sitter really. That that header from the from, from about four yards out, he's got to hit the target at least. Um, so yeah, but yeah, for me, out the door, head of Fletcher at the moment. Okay, well we'll come on to team selections when we get on to the Southampton game which is coming up in part two next. Okay, we're joined by Ben Stansfield now, who writes for Team Talk, a Southampton fan. Ben, I'm glad you uh, got rid of that blog you done because Gareth still ribs me about not pronouncing <laughs> that right. Was it the South Coast? What was South it? South Coast it? Brazil. Bra- yeah, was it, was, it was just like watching Brazil. But I think last time Steve you said just like watching or something like that. No, so, no, I don't think I did. <laughs> I think I think I got it wrong and said the Brazil of the South Coast or something. I don't know. Gareth was being really pedantic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this, this agenda slightly ripped up from when I when I come up with it a couple of days ago. Obviously, because of the news yesterday. Do you want to? Just elaborate on tell, telling us a little bit about Nicola Cortesi and why he was so influential, it seems. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think ultimately it comes down to the fact that in 2009, when we were very close to um, within 24 hours of going out of business, really, he was the, the one that seemed to drive the Lieber purchasing of the business. He'd uh, been made aware of, of Saints and was a Swiss banker, so obviously saw a business opportunity in buying a club that was very low down in League One. Um, his job was obviously to, to make sure that he could try and find a good, sound investment for the Lieber family who were looking to, to buy a football team and uh, managed to sell the opportunity to them. So I guess, in a way, a bit like Marcus Lieber, who was the founding owner, was seen a bit a bit of a messiah by the fans for the fact that he really was the one that, that helped to save us. And I think, um, you know, over the last five years, we've, we've had a, a pretty amazing journey. I mean, I, I've been a Saints fan for 30 years now, and it's always 
you know needed to win 10 nil on the last day of the season to stay up and somehow mm. done that and it's it's uh, it's kind of been a, a bit of a roller coaster with two promotions a Wembley win and uh, obviously flying high now so I think um, he's really helped to to strip the club from from the bottom and really help to build it back up starting with the academy we've obviously brought in quite a few profile players but you know for example at Everton the other day we had nine British players start eight of which were English and I think he's really helped to drive that to that sort of mentality through the club to, to sort of grow within. So, so yeah, I mean, it's obviously been a funny 24 hours. I think if I'd, I've had this call with you last night, I probably would have uh, had a full-scale breakdown in front of you, uh, <laughs> you guys. But uh, 24 hours, as I say, is a long time in football, really. So. Why, why, why are the players so attached to him? Because I'm reading a lot of that, that you know, certain players are saying, you know, if he's not going to be there, I'm going to be there. Because that's unusual for a chairman to have a, a relationship with a player like that. I mean, we, we had a little bit in Niall Quinn when he was here. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, obviously, it's not necessarily the, the sort of thing you want to read as a fan, and I would always worry that someone was a, at the club for those reasons. I think, ultimately, you want any player that's wearing your shirt to actually be there for the club and for the fans, but, uh, of course, money and, and things like that come into it. I, I think the main thing was that he had the ability to sort of speak to players that maybe were out of our, our sort of realms of the sort of transfer targets we really should be going for, and whereas we were just a, or we are just a little team on the South Coast, I think he was able to sell them on the vision of the fact that we were trying to, to, to really build a, a strong sort of grade one academy and really push for sort of European football and all those sorts of things as well. So I think as any good businessman, he had the ability to talk the talk and uh, and I think that's really why lots of players bought into him. I've read the Martin Lipton piece this morning. Now, he had Southampton stripped down as a club. He was selling you off in little pieces as spare parts. I thought it was a pretty emphatic assumption to make. Has he, has he, has he got grounds for that? Where does that come from? I don't think that's the case. I think um, one thing that's come obvious over the last 24 hours, I think, is that lots of journalists are obviously fed bits of information and I think, uh, you know, we'll add two and two together and get five. And I think certainly um, from every message that I think we've we've heard within the club has been that uh, that they have been together as, as, as one unit and all that sort of thing as well. I mean, I know Sky Sports yesterday were to and throwing about whether he was going, whether he wasn't going and all those sorts of things. So I think it's, it's one of those typical scenarios where... I think lots of people will read things in the press and really get the, the wrong assumption. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going purely what's you know come out of the club, and I think that has always been that we are a pretty sound um, organisation and everyone seems to be in it together. And uh, I think uh, a few journalists probably over the last 24 hours have probably been made look quite silly. I would think. No, isn't it? Isn't it? Sorry, isn't it true as well that you know in Pochettino's position now, Son, Son, Southampton are in a very strong position in the Premier League. You know, there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
that everyone's raving about the younger players is not going to give that up overnight, surely. You know, once you've got a foot at this level, managing at this level. Um, I think you'd be mad to, yeah. Exactly. I mean, ultimately, first things first, Cortese aside, he has, a, he has a contract to Southampton Football Club. You know, he doesn't have a contract to Nicola Cortese. But I think you're, you're spot on. I mean, I, I think any of us really, when I, I feel lucky to be a Saints fan when you, you look at the sort of... Uh, the, the setup that we have and the players that we have, and I, and I think you're right. I mean, he's he's pretty much committed himself this afternoon until the end of the season, which I think is fair enough. You know, we're we're ninth in the league at the moment. We're obviously doing quite well. I guess over that time, the the owner will make her, her plans and ideas well known to him. It, it wouldn't surprise me to be honest. He said he had a conversation with Cortese. Cortese sorry, it wouldn't surprise me if Cortese comes back with a, a group of people that are interested in buying the Libra organisation from them, and, and and obviously then they've already got a manager in place, really, haven't they? So uh, so yeah, so I, I think um, I think you'd be mad to walk out of the job as of today, really. Gareth, come to you. There's similarities here between Nal Quinn and Weir, isn't it? He's probably Ben's probably echoing what a lot of Sunderland fans said when Quinn left. Now I know the you know there is obvious differences, but. I think the point I'm trying to make is that a lot of people suggested things wouldn't change here when Niall Quinn left, but they have, haven't they? If, if an autonomous board member leaves your club, things are going to change, aren't they? Um, maybe. I, I don't think the change was as felt as as drastic under Quinn personally. It was a bit of a funny one when he left, wasn't it? It was just kind of like on a Wednesday morning or something. It was like, oh, he's gone. The, uh, the relationship sort of. side of things, it was only just started a sort of... Just start to pick back up again. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that, to be honest. You I told me a couple of weeks ago that the, the fans in the club was the, the poorest relationship you'd ever seen. Oh, yeah, but I, I wouldn't say that. Um, I, I would still say that there was maybe outside of Quinny, there was still that chasm in a relationship. I think having Niall Quinn there as a, <coughs> as a focal point for supporters because of sort of he's a club legend is a very different thing there. Cortese coming in as somebody who's got no affiliation with the club and then building that relationship. I think the difference is Cortese's a businessman. Yeah. Now, Niall Quinn was ostensibly, and, and most of all, a, a former footballer mm. who was a very, very public face of Sunderland Football Club. But the business side of it, if you, if you talk to people within the club now and a couple of years down the road and whatever was a bit of a disaster, you know, mm. the, 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 you know these five-year yeah. contracts for players, etc., etc. That that wasn't ever going to mm. be, you know, that wasn't going ever going to marry itself together. Whereas Cortese is clearly mm. someone who's got his head screwed on when it comes to the financial and the business side of Southampton Football Club, mm. but at the same time was able, clearly charismatic enough, to have a relationship with the players and the manager, and and bring the whole together. I think that's where I was coming from. I mean, I can't say they're totally different. The roles are totally different, but I think the fact that what I was getting at was because the players and the fans and everybody speak so highly of them and I was thinking inevitably things will change after that anyway we'll get we'll sorry I was just going to say I okay. think the, the difference in there was is that almost like we were kind of crest of a wave and O'Neill he brought in O'Neill and then O'Neill almost was the the new Quinn in the sense he was a Sunderland supporter mm. he was a manager we'd always wanted it eased and the no, pain a little bit nobody could yeah. have nobody could have imagined that that would go as bad as quickly as it did mm. ok back on other football then Um Ben Southampton, you know, started started like a train. Really, everybody everybody was speaking about them, but they've plateaued a little bit now, haven't they? And after the flying start, they've they've kind of calmed down a little bit, but they're still a very handy side. I know you've had a lot of injuries lately. Yeah, I, I think uh, I've got to be honest; they surprised me at the start of the season. I, I think um, whenever the fixtures come out, you always look at, uh, at, at that and sort of think, well, you know, where are we going to get the points from? And to, to be on. 20 points at, at sort of the end of uh, at the end of October and mid-November was uh, unheard of. Like, uh, you know, I think that's the 
it's, it's probably has plateaued a bit, but I guess you know we're still in a strong position. I mean, there's, there's ironically there's a bigger gap between us in ninth and Holland tenth than there is between Holland tenth and the bottom of the league. So it's uh, you know it's quite a bit of a, a, of a gap we got there. And I think um, you're right. I mean, we've lost some key players over the last few weeks, and that's tied in with playing the likes of Chelsea, Everton, Tottenham, and uh, your mob uh, down the road, uh, your, your rivals mm-hmm. down the road, and everything. And I think um, it's, it's it's just all, all those injuries came at the wrong time. I think, and uh, although we've plateaued, I think hopefully now subject to you know, with all due respect, I think we've got a run of fixtures over the next four or five weeks, and uh, Victor Wanyama, everyone's now back fit. So I think hopefully, Cortesia side, sorry, it'll be interesting to see what happens now. Mm-hmm. But, do, but you, you're in a situation, Lalana, Shaw, Klein, y- you name them. You've got young, very, very talented, good players. They, they're still there. They're not going to go anywhere by the looks of things in, in January. And you know that they can play good football. As you say, you've had tough fixtures every team is going to go through one of these runs in the season. I mean, by the looks of things, Southampton are having that run at the moment. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Nick. I think it is. Um, it's been probably the last sort of eight, nine games. We, we beat Burnley in a couple, couple of weekends back and then obviously beat West Brom last week. So I think, uh, you know, it's the two wins out of two now. But you're right. I mean, there's a lot of young players and I think ultimately young players will always take confidence from winning games, won't they? And I think if you lose, go on a run losing three or four, you suddenly start to, to sort of... Uh, out yourself a little bit more and when you're playing the likes of the Chelsea's of the world that can string three or four passes together and score a goal just like that I think it's it's really sort of affected them a bit but as I say now we've got a few more of the senior players back I think they're they're key to us really sort of hopefully having a strong finish to the season now I think my heart bleeds for you up there in Norman's land with Newcastle there Ben I've got to say what we would give for, <laughs> for mid-table mediocrity at the moment um, what we find interesting we keep discussing here on the pod every week that Sunderland evidently struggle to break down sides who, who come in they'll put 10 men behind the ball try and catch us on the counter-attack we lost at home to Villa we drew at home to Norwich um, we've had a lot more success in the cup against some of the big teams and on Saturday against Fulham when sides come at us a little bit more and we can capitalise on that how how does Southampton travel now there's always going to be an element where they're going to be more defensive than at home obviously uh, every side would do that probably unless you're, unless you're Man City Um how do you expect them to set up? Are they likely to come sit challenges to break them down? Yeah, well, I know you and I briefly discussed it indirectly the other day. I, I think um, maybe maybe it is a negative, but I think Saints, you know, they go to away games and they, they go to away games to try and win the game. I, I think lots of teams go away from home to make sure they don't get beat. And I think um, a few times this season, we've that, that sort of, um, I, I guess, insecurity has probably paid uh, paid us back a bit. Uh, I think the, the problem with Saints is we, we have a habit of... of uh, Letting in silly goals, you know, we'll, we'll go into games. I mean, Sunderland the way last season was a perfect example. You know, we we pretty much ran the first half and then stu- you know stupid goal and, and we're, we're suddenly one nil down against you guys and, and that sort of thing as well. So, uh, you know, we'll come with our sort of four five one four three three. It'll be Lallana and Jay Rods on on the wings, Lambert up top, and and they'll obviously look to attack down the flanks as, as they always do. But it does always leave you vulnerable, uh, vulnerable at the back. Sorry, mm, that's good for us, Sam, isn't it? Then that Southampton's going to come up. That's what we want, isn't it? Well. We- We've got a lot of pace, you know. Um, we've got players who who can get in behind, but I think at the same time, it's always. I think the first goal is really important because I think the last time I was on the the podcast, we was talking about um, when Sunderland go a goal down, we very rarely come from come back from behind. Well, Poyet's got that sort of reputation well, of Brighton, yeah. hasn't he? Um, so I, I think the first goal is really important, but I think at the same time, it's important that Southampton don't come and sit sit, like, sit back and sit deep because um, I think. I think it could be a really, really good game and I think there could be a few goals this mm. weekend. Ben, what's interesting is Luke Shaw on your left-hand side. I think it's a, a fascinating match-up because Adam Johnson, of course, is 
is hitting a bit of form on our right-hand side. Now, against Fulham, he was employed further up the field, uh, and Risa had to sort of try and sit back and deal with that. Couldn't get forward as much as he would have liked. And a lot comes down your left side with Luke Shaw, doesn't it? That's going to be an interesting match-up, that one. It does, and I, I would certainly say that Shaw's strength is attacking rather than defending. Exactly, you know, I think yeah. He's, he's come, yeah, I think he's come up in the same sort of mould as Gareth Bale, who, who obviously was at Saints and, and thrived on getting forward. And I think um, that's going to be the, the job of Johnson if he plays right mid. Is, is, is going to be as much about getting forward to stop Shaw getting forward, really, isn't it? So I, I think um, you're right. I mean, he's, you know, he, he, Shaw, for, for someone who's 18 years old, I've got to say, when I see him play, you know, he's got... He's got the brain of a 30-year-old. He's very, you know, experienced he, with regards to the way he plays the game. I think, you know, he, he does have quite a wise head on his shoulders. And I think he knows his responsibilities. He's not sort of a, a maverick that just ploughs upfield and doesn't come back. I, I think it will, um, you know, it'll be a tough challenge for him. I mean, Adam Johnson, every, everyone in the country saw last week is, is on fire at the moment. And I think Shaw will have to be on top of his game. But I think, you know, I, I think he's up to it. I, he's going to be a... And in the left back of the future, there's no doubt about it. It's just I doubt he'll be at Saints when that happens. Does it honest. take out some of his game though if, if if he's going to be on the back foot? Yeah, it does. I mean, as I say, his 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 um, main main uh, threat really is attacking, and I think um, certainly he enjoys getting forward. He creates a lot of goals for us, and uh, I think um, if if Johnson can play as he has been, then I think Shaw will be spending more of his time defending than he will getting forward. Tell us about your centre midfield because one of one of the many things we hear. We've hailed Gus Poyet for is is, is employing a three-man midfielder, which everybody who listens to the podcast knows how sort of obsessed we are about it. So, and also, if I like to use the flanks a lot, where we'll try and go through the middle and get the ball out to the flanks at the very last minute when the when our wingers almost get in behind the defenders. So, how do you see that battle in the midfield of the uh, in the middle of the park go? Yeah, well, I I think Saints have. That's probably their weakest part of their team, I would suggest. Um, you know, particularly with, um, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, Victor Wanyama being out. I mean, obviously he's a, a pretty big unit that uh, can sort of stop a lot of opposition attacks. And I think, you know, the midfield for me, I would expect it to be Cork Schneidlin and, and Steve Davis, the Northern Ireland captain, in there. I mean, they're all fairly small players. I think, you know, you've got some pretty powerful midfielders. Keys again, someone who's obviously having a good season or a good run at the moment. So, for me, they're 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 not exactly the catamoles of the world that will go in flying tackles and break up opposition you know I think they are quite a delicate midfield and again they thrive on confidence I think when all three of them are playing well they they, they play well as a unit but I think um, again it's going to be down to some of them to, to, to really attack them in there and if they do I think as I say I think that's the, the weak part of our team to be honest It's encouraging for us Gareth isn't it and, and Poyet showed that he can employ the midfield into a battle he did it in the derby mm. of course didn't he I mean that was in a slightly different system wasn't it, was, it? with yeah. the two in the middle yeah. but I mean, it's, that's a very different team to, to 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 the what we have now. I mean, the team that Southampton will be playing is more like the one where we sort of changed the first time when we played them in the cup, and that was, you know, we we dominated that game. Um, but and, until Southampton started bringing the the Lalanas on, mm. it was on. our second string. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but I think you know that that was the. I think that's why it makes it so interesting this weekend because I think we saw the real Southampton the last fifteen twenty minutes of the cup game. And they pulled a goal back and they started to look like the Southampton we'd seen in the second half down at St Mary's in the second game of the season. 
Are you still? Yeah, are you I still? Mean, are I, you I, still smart yeah. of that result, Ben? Because uh, you, you could have been, was, you could have been top of the league. We were the only. That was the only point where you got in the first <laughs> nine games or something. Yeah, I, you know, it, it depressed me to look at the table when uh, Bicani left, and you sort of what was it, seven games, one point. Yeah. And I knew that one, one point was against us, but it was very nearly three, wasn't it? So we were lucky to get anything in the end. So yeah. seeing on the, on the subject that game early in the season, I remember it was we did the live podcast and we couldn't have you on the show, but you gave us That's some right. bits and bobs to talk about. And one of the things I remember is that you said that you're defending on set pieces wasn't that great there you go I don't know if that, is that is that <laughs> is that still the case uh, I, I would suggest that we've got a lot better I think now that um, you know I think over the course of the season I think they've got wise to that I mean as, as you know I mean we had a very good defensive record I, I you know it's bizarre that someone who's uh, I mean how tall is Shakarani five foot or something and he yeah. can get a free header in the six foot uh, in the six yard box I mean I think Fonte and Lovren are in there Boric has brought a lot of calm back and I think organises his defence I mean we still we still seem to do zonal marking, which as, as much as I watch football week in week out, I just, just despise it to be honest. So I think uh, although we got better, uh, you know, I would certainly still say that set plays are somewhere where we, um, you know, I would still say we're vulnerable. Certainly, that's somewhere where we've been particularly good under Poy at the set pieces. Have been very good. What's I the cent- what's the centre half call again? Who uh, played? Who played? Yeah, can, can he, he play? Can he play? <laughs> <then? laughs> I think he's, he's not the he's not uh, the most loved central defender in Southampton at the moment. So yeah, uh, he's about 18th choice, I think. So. <laughs> I just remember him in the cup game. He couldn't <laughs> he get really any, he couldn't get near Aldor, could he? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely nowhere near him. Um, it's it's an interesting one, Nick. We we predicted the the, the side last week prior to the Fulham game and. You know, quite chuffed, chuffed for myself that we we predicted Johnson would come in for Jack Rainey. We thought Callback would come in for Larson. On this occasion, we've had no midweek game, so is it pretty much down to Larson struck Callback? Could I, you say that be the only change? I think that would be the change. I think I my gut feeling is that Larson will come back in again for yeah. the home games. Mm. He prefers Callback mm. for the away games. Yeah, mm. I'd bring Larson back in as well. Happy with Sam as well. Ooh, I don't know about that. Mm. I quite like Callback. I think he's a nice, you know, nice, nice turns, nice touches. He just keeps the ball moving, you know. Just keeps mm. that. Keeps I think. It I think over. possibly. I, I hear what you're saying as well. I think he's he's, he's differentiating the home games to the away games. I think he is. I, he I think he's a, he's concerned about Colback in the challenges he makes at the back. But I think more than anything else, Poyet does like Larson's engine. I think he likes that. What what Larson brings in in that respect in the game. But and you will likely more you're more likely to get a key pass from Larson in a, in a home uh, game. And I think he'll he's also more pur- he's yeah, more purposeful uh, with his play. It's the old adage about experience as well, the level that Larson's played at in the past and the, the games that Sunderland are involved in now. I think he'll he'll look to that greater experience in, in some of these games against teams like Southampton who like to get the ball down and play it. So I thought he was superb Larson against Man United in the Cup, said mm. that last week. I thought he was a bit of an unsung hero. So I think maybe he only lost his place because he played pretty much twice. In, I think there's a lot in days, that. So. Do you think that's the only change? What about Aldor Fletcher? Possibly. I think Fletcher will start. I think, and and Aldor will be the bench man again. I'd, I, I'd, if I had a personal choice, I'd, I'd swap them. I'd, well, I'd what do we? So do we think Larson for Colback the only change? Probably. Because he hasn't got a freshen up because we haven't had a midway no. game for the first time in about a year. It seems yeah. like so. Interesting one, Ben. Can we get a prediction from you before you go? And be honest. Well, it's going to be interesting to see because I think obviously the fallout of the last 24 hours it'll be interesting to see what the mentality of the team is whether they just fall to pieces or whether they actually come out and prove how good they are so um, I think you know, as I said to you last season Sunderland's always a tough place to go I'd always take a point at Sunderland so I'm going to go for a 1-1 mm, I'll, get it off. I'll, get a, I'll get a prediction from the lads in here Gareth I fancy us um, I think we're favourites actually on form and I'm going to say 2-0 to Sunderland <laughs> 
Sam? Uh, 1-0, that'll do me. Yeah. Nick, what are you thinking? Well, my heart wants the 2-0, but my <laughs> head's agreeing with Ben, actually. I agree with Ben and Nick as well. I think it's got 1-1 written all over it. Take a point, maybe. Going with I just think, you know, this is something you did, we're in a position we're playing before everybody else. And we're thinking, you know, win this, and we go up to 16th or something, and it just won't happen. You know, yeah, I, I, you know, I you know. It won't and happen, I don't think, yeah. I don't think a point is the worst result in the no, world. It's at the moment. Not, no, it's not. No, it's not. As long because as we can come back and beat. Well, I think the, the big thing is that yeah. the, the big thing is, and I'm funny enough, I was talking about this at work today, looking at the change around in the world in, in the goal difference at the bottom now. Sunderland are edging themselves into a good place in goal difference, and they're drawing other clubs into it now. And and, and I, you know, a point is a, is a is a good point now. I think they're not losing games. That's the key. <laughs> Leaving the question of the week this week for the second week in a row. Because um, I forgot. Well, kind, kind of, but we've got a lot to fit in as it well, was, haven't it we? Was, it was very, it was ridiculously hectic last mm. week, obviously, with the whole bubble trip thing, and then, and then Gareth, I haven't been very well, yeah, actually, and then, so. and then Gareth reminded me that this would be the last pod before the, the semi-final at yeah. Old Trafford, which is... Seem to come around really quick in one in, in one respect. I didn't explain to you that there's only two weeks between the two games. I know, but it's games. still. I don't know. I don't yeah, know what I was thinking. Playing the self pity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's um, Nick. It's obvious. It's obvious thing to say that the cup's been a, a nice distraction from the league. But the way the fans are feeling about it, the way the players are feeling, that pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? I think it's been fantastic. Actually, I, I've, I've loved it. I mean, I just think you know, in all the years I've covered Sunderland, you know, they've always fallen short of the. You always go back to that game with Old Trafford against Millwall, Millwall and you yeah. just think what an opportunity to have an opportunity like that taken from you really because of Sunderland's ineptness <laughs> you just feel <laughs> is the chance ever going to come round again and, and here to they be are inept, it definitely will <laughs> well I mean here they are you know again in a semi-final leading got a goal advantage I know they you know you'd love them to have gone with a two goal three goal advantage but to even think about going to Old Trafford against Manchester United and with a goal advantage and a lot of optimism, I just think you know it's it's a it's a fantastic opportunity. And if they get to Wembley, well, it, it's it's just you know the season suddenly is is just turning on its head, isn't it? You know they look like they're capable of, of pulling themselves out of trouble. They look like they could be in a Wembley final. I, you know, you if you'd said to anybody at the start of the season, this is how the season's going to pan out, you, you'd certainly have bitten someone's arm off for that. Is the calmness sort of spread into the stands, Sam? I, I was personally against Man United. I, I wasn't nervous at all. Even when Perini had the penalty, and I remember my brother turning around me saying, you, "You know, you're not cropping yourself," and I, and I, I wasn't. I, is that just because you sort of you think the back of your mind, you're thinking, "Oh, we, we'll not get there. It'll not happen," and you know, you're not desperate for the three points. How, how, how have you felt? Uh, I think I think a lot of people know, and, they, and the way they, they can see the, the Sunderland are playing well at the moment, and I think. Things are starting to go Sunderland's way, and I think people are starting to see that, and they and they know that um, the things are like I say the tide's starting to change now, and, uh, and it's breeding uh, confidence. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, I really think that, um, people can see that we're playing well now, and I think it's just a matter of time before before we start to to move up out up, well, up the league, really. How confident are you with a semi, Gareth? Really? Bear in mind, man, you only need to win one nil in extra time. All right, and they go through. I'm being realistic. I mean, to be realistic as well. This is why I'm not nervous about it because I'm almost, you know. To be realistic as well, you know, Manchester United's home form isn't brilliant. They haven't. See, afterwards, it it was even. When the draw came out, I would have rather had them away first. I I said, I'd said when the draw came out, I did text you and said, "I'll take Man United now Mm, if you give us a choice." Um, But 
it was more to do after the game there was a lot of talk national press obviously about how bad Manchester United were you know Moyes managed to deflect a lot of the the problems maybe on the referee and stuff like that and he, but even after having he tried two or three, succeeded. but even after two or three days of discussion about how poor Man United were in the game and basically ignoring Sunderland's role in it completely, everyone still came to the conclusion that well, Man United will go back to Old Trafford and win the game and go to Wembley, which kind of doesn't really add up. That Man United have been pretty decent recently, actually. If you look outside of well, the last two weeks, Austin Swans in the cup. Five but, wins from six in the but, league, but they're home. But against teams in the lower yeah. half of the league, mm. and, and in fact, I mean, everyone said we bounce back against Swansea. But in reality, Swansea are only three yeah. points above the relegation zone. Yeah. They've got a lot of injury problems, so Swansea weren't by any means at their strongest. And I think you know, for everyone saying, I think it works in Sunderland's favour. Everyone said, "Oh, well, that's it." You know, mm. Man United to prove they haven't got problems. They've beaten Swansea. Sunderland just have to go there and score a mm. goal, and I think they're yeah. capable of doing that. Exactly. I, th- I, th- I think to be fair, the first uh, twenty minutes are really crucial. Yeah. The first mm, opening they are, twenty minutes, they are. I think, but and I think it'd be interesting if Manchester United score in that opening twenty minutes, which yeah. you wouldn't rule out. But I think uh, you know the fact that Sunderland You'd fancy have got score, it within them to score. Yeah. You'd fancy it, wouldn't you? If and we, I think if they did, if Man United did take the lead and Sunderland pulled it back, the, the, it, it's Manchester United to put the pressures on. Exactly. I mean, at, at Old Trafford, the way they've been this season, I think you know the. the, the the cards are still in in Sunderland's hand at the moment. That's the key thing. That pressure. I think if we can if we can get an early goal somehow, <laughs> and we can't, we are capable. I mean, from set pieces, we've proven we you know. Well, look, there's fat. an element. I mean, we, yeah. we 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 keep speaking about how we we play better against sides who are going to come at you yeah. now. Man United would have to do that anyway, but they you know they have to do so even but more. But I, th- so I think they're vulnerable at the back. Yeah, yeah. well, that's what, I, that's, that's what I'm saying. So if they're coming out, they're going to leave. They're going to leave gaps, aren't they? If we can counter attack like we did on Saturday, yes, we're playing against a better side. Yeah. But if we can counter attack and be that clinical, that could prove. They're not. They're not taking. Key, I mean, they're not taking teams apart for starters, like they were. Um, I think if we score once, I think I think we can do it. I think we've got a chance, like real a real chance, if we can score once. Um, I think if we get the first goal, in the, if we can get the first goal, I think we'll, we could go well, on I, to win I, it comfortably. To get to get one goal there put, puts you in a in a, yeah. in a strong position because they you've cancelled out the away goal. Yeah. Then so you, you're already again you've you've strengthened your hand even further by scoring at Old Trafford. So as you say, you, you, they'd need to score three goals, and, and Sunderland have got it within them to defend. I think the back four now, you know, they have to work as a defensive unit. The, the, the four are good, but I think Manoni's been out. Sam yeah, touched on it earlier. Manoni's been fantastic, and and you, you know you just feel that they, you know the confidence through that the defence at the moment and, and is strong. I, and ironically, for a League Cup game, the Sunderland fans might be fucked to mind well, in, in a positive uh, way. Well, I think you know, <laughs> I've known you know all the years going to Old Trafford, it it's it's quiet, it's mm-hmm. silent. I mean, nine thousand Sunderland fans there, it will it, it will feel like a home game. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be a special night. It's got you know, there's <laughs> such a you know, there really is such a buzz about it, like the some snickering away, I don't know. I don't know. But it is I mean, just being just, a realist <laughs> like me. No, but you can just you can just sense it like <laughs> But I think we are being realistic well, about this. Well you have this. to you I have to have hope, this don't isn't you? this isn't heart. You, can't, you can't be this a football fan without having hope. This, can yeah, you? no, this isn't heart overhead. This is mm. realism. Oh, yeah, I definitely you know, you, agree. The, the Sunderland's back four is much stronger, Manoni's very strong. They've got the capabilities of scoring goals now through Key, through Johnson, not necessarily through Fletcher and Altador. I was chatting with Marco Gabbiadini about this the other night, and he was saying about the season that Darren Bent was at Sunderland. You look look back at the goals record that season, Bent scored the bulk of the goals. No one else was scoring. Well, now we haven't got goals from 
Altidore and Fletcher, but we're getting goals yeah. from Bardsley, we're getting goals from Johnson, we're getting goals from Key. The goals are coming elsewhere. But so. you, you know, and 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 should and, have and, and. should have got a penalties. Barini, we score penalties now. <laughs> yeah, get, we, Gardner. We have, get yeah. Gardner off the bench for yeah. the last minute. Yeah. We but we are yeah, Gardner's took one Barini yeah. Key. They've all looked convincing, haven't they? Mm. But you know, I think it's. <laughs> You know, over the years, I mean, my generation, I'm 30 now, I mean, like, mm. growing up with my dad, and my dad saw them, went to Wembley, saw them win the Cup and all that, and it's always, you know, Sunderland do that thing of taking you to the brink and then just pushing you yeah. off. Well, that was it, no you know, that was that semi-final. And it happens, it happens so often. as well. It happens so often, and I remember at the playoff final in 98, and we at half-time, it would be been awful in that first half, and there was this bloke, and I paraphrase because I can't use the exact language, but he was like, it's the same against Norwich. It was the same against Liverpool. <laughs> and it is, it's that Sunderland thing, the Cardiff game, prime example, the Everton game, um, you know, cup quarter-final, Everton just didn't turn up, froze. And it's that, that sort of, almost like gallows humour that's creating Sunderland supporters due to these sort of being constantly taken to the edge and then let down. And I just think this is a chance now for the, 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 to, to change time, a generation time, of, of course, people's of course, you know, of course, confidence. Of course, Gus Poyet does make a difference this time because like you're saying pretty much before when you're talking about getting to the final semi-finals and sort of bottling it if those sides are managed by managers who almost just wing it a little bit and you, you get there you know come on lads get, you know pull a performance out of the bag and it isn't as easy as that when the players take the field now they know what their job and role is from start to finish don't they? that's that's got to help hasn't I don't it? want to be a total <laughs> put a slight negative spin on that but did you watch the second leg of the playoff uh, semi-final last year where Brighton didn't turn up in that second leg against uh, Crystal Palace? He's got better players to deal with here. <laughs> They've took it on board more. Right, okay. Nobody's perfect. I'll Just go on along with that. Here's, one, yeah. here's an aside on penalties. Ricky Lambert at Sa- Southampton. He's taken 31 yeah. penalties now for Southampton. He's not missed any of them. Mm. Don't, get, don't give away a penalty at the weekend. That's, uh, <laughs> 31 mm. out of 31. Two this yeah. season. Letizia, well, buy him. Letizia actually only missed one, didn't he? Well, he's a, well tell you what. If he's available to West Ham, apparently, which is what the rumour is. The Letizia? Yeah, Letizia is going to West Ham. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's contact, it's like Saturday, like working him in there. Um, no, Lambert. Lambert, there's been, there has, there's rumours that he's... Mm. he's I mean, would away, you, if you, I know he's a bit older, but would you, would you, is he the kind of player who would you fit in a Poyer system? You got him a four or five price. million quid? Wouldn't I pay wouldn't that want to pay that for him. But no. he's not going to go for less than that, is he? Mm. Interesting one. But I, 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 slightly off topic, but just got us thinking, mm-hmm. and Nick started talking about it, but yeah. You know they've got a great opportunity to do something special. You know, like it's got the makings of a great night. But then you could also walk away from it with <laughs> your ha- head in your hands. You know, yeah. crying your eyes. Yeah, but I think, but classic. interestingly <laughs> enough, I think if that is the scenario, everyone will go away saying, "Well, look, you know, it was Manchester United. What did we expect?" And and it's it, it, look, it's not the bitter pill of losing to Millwall in the yeah, semi final. Yeah, and and, and there's no getting away from the fact it's it's been very beneficial to our league form, mm. hasn't it? It's been significant. Hasn't well, it? I think that's the interesting. It isn't just a, it isn't a side. I think that's another yeah. thing about this coaching that Poyet brings to it. Again, yesterday he said very much, "I want to beat Southampton because beating Southampton will take us into the Manchester United game in a very good frame of mind." So his mindset is always about winning games, whereas the FA Cup against Kidderminster. Whether it's the League Cup semi-final against Manchester United, it's win it. It's a winner. I mean, he's got a winning mentality. He wants to win things, and I think his. I thought. I thought you know the very fact that he, he picked a strong side against Carlisle was was great. Yeah. You know, he respected the competition, he respected the opposition, but he wants to win. Which sounds good to me. So we've two huge games coming. Are we not going to do a prediction for the cup game. For the cup game, we should. Go on then. 
I'm saying it's two one to Sunderland with. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna do you know like um, last minute. When uh, in the Champions League semi-final, <laughs> when Torres was like, "I'm going for one of them, but without the door." But Danny Graham out did it for, for um, he did actually, Swansea yeah, at yeah, Stamford yeah. Bridge in the in last yeah, season. Yeah, I'm going for that. Last minute, out the door gets the ball, and when he scores, if he scores in the semi-final, your impending uh, child is going to be called Josie. I've decided <laughs> <laughs> that's what he got. If he scores a winner in the in the cup final, when when we get there, he, not Dosey. Yeah. No, you try and sell that to all us, okay? Nick, <laughs> Nick, have you got a prediction then? Well, glibly, I mean, I, I think there'll be goals in it. I think it'll be a case of one or other will have to go for it, and I wouldn't rule out two-two. I was yeah. going to say a two-two. I was going to say enough. a two-two. I, I just think you've got to kind of. It's got the feel of a thrilling cup tie. I think it? if we score just, one, we'll get. We've got opportunities to get more because it'll bring them right mm. out. Well, there. I think if it's a poor game, it suits Sunderland actually. Yeah. Because it will, it will, it, it means it's not flowing, it's not moving, and that will mean that Sunderland are, 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 are better organised, I think, at the moment as a team no. get, than Manchester yeah, United. Get Catamola Larson, whoever it might be, on top of Cleverly. Just stick him mm. on top of him because. I don't think Larson will play, I think it'll be Colbach. Do you think? Well, whoever it is, Colbach yeah. or Catamola, just stick him on Cleverly because if it, he needs four touches to get it under control. So just get him on, get him on him, and he'll just nick it off, break. Top corner, one nil. Mm, he's got it all written. Easy, got all Easy. Sam, we'll let you have yours before we go. Uh, I'll just take a one-one. That'd be good. <laughs> do I'll me. Just, yeah, yeah, one nil, one nil down last minute, and then pff, I'm thinking all we don't need drama like that. We don't need drama like that. It's been quite a dramatic sort of season, though, hasn't it? When yeah. we've done something, it's been you know the Newcastle mm. game. You look at the Chelsea, the Chelsea winning the cup. You know, it's been quite dramatic, hasn't it? Penalty in the, the semi-final. I don't know. Well, Barini's the one for the big goals. Yeah. So I'd quite like one of the former United players to score. Mm. With yeah, Brown, Brown. Or O'Shea. Yeah. <laughs> I think Barini's bad enough being a Liverpool player as well. They wouldn't like yeah. that. Um, yeah. So two huge games Southampton and Manchester United. Dare we dream we could win them both? This is Sunderland after all, but let's just let's just keep our hope, remain positive, and <laughs> I'll see you on the other side. Over and out. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 